0: pussy (laughs) (laughs) hello everybody welcome to i'm not even gonna acknowledge that intro song at all i refuse to acknowledge it it's only makes it it only makes it funnier that i'm not even gonna mention what the fuck that was but welcome to the ep show you know it's been a while since um i've done this show I've just been really stressed, man. I mean, I've been stressed with fucking with work, trying to manage work in school is damn near impossible. I think it's not impossible because I'm doing it right. And and, and I'm succeeding so far. It's just really stressful, especially considering. But I think the stress actually just comes from the fact that I have real life responsibilities now, like I have to pay this fucking apartment. So I feel like, you know, now the job, I can't just on a whim be like, "Ah, I don't feel like working anymore. Because, you know, you have responsibilities, and that's kind of what I wanted when I wanted to move out. You know what I mean? Like, just that responsibility, although, I mean, the stress of it is just kind of insane. But, yeah, I'm back. This is the EP show where I just talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about. I want to start off the show with some breaking news at the time of this recording, and this is that uh, Barry Jenkins, who has done Moonlight, he did uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, what did he do before that? He, I think he did something else, but it wasn't as big. Moonlight is the main thing. Moonlight won, you know, the Oscar for Best Picture for, you know, you might be confused. You're be like, wasn't it La La Land? No, La La Land won it. But then, you know, Moonlight won it, actually. They fucked up. But yeah, it's a Best Picture winner, Barry Jenkins. You know, he's a very lauded director, obviously lauded film. So he's being now hired to do the Lion King <laughs> It's the most ridiculous pairing I think I've ever heard in my fucking life. But it kind of makes sense in a way. But at first you hear it, right? I know how it makes sense, and I'll break that down in a second. But at first you hear it, and you're like, wait, <laughs> what? Barry Jenkins, King? independent you know what i mean one of those people that like independent cinema hails almost like as a god at this point right his films are always kind of low budget he's very well he, he thrives of the drama it's really all his movies are just drop they're just dramas right he's doing all this stuff and now all of a sudden he's attached to one of the biggest franchises in the world i mean the lion king the first one the remake uh, the live-action one. I mean, that shit blew the doors of the box office. That made so much fucking money. So now this guy is supposed to direct the sequel. How does that make sense, right? Here's how it makes sense. The whole point that Disney is leaning into the black or I guess African side of the story of The Lion King, right? They did that when um, Beyonce had to do the score for or do the soundtrack of the, of the film. You know, like it was almost like half her album, half a soundtrack, that's what that really was, so that's what they've been, that's the direction they've been leaning into, right, and then even Beyonce made a visual album of the soundtrack to The Lion King, so, you know, almost like a movie, the music movie version of The Lion King, and it's all been heavily, you know, focused on, listen, this is blackness, right, like, this is where blackness originated, and I bet you that's exactly how they sold it to Barry Jenkins, because, I mean, I don't know if you've been able to tell, but he's, done you know heavily uh, uh black story. so that's probably how they spun it to barry jenkins and that's probably why he chose it he's gonna go in that you know side now how the fuck does a barry jenkins lion king 2 disney movie look i have no idea man hopefully i don't know i mean every single director always takes on these roles that are very like Otorish, but then their movies don't aren't really Otorish at all either that or or they eventually part ways because of um you know, uh, creative differences. If anything, it's most likely that Barry Jenkins is just fuck it and doesn't, you know, parts with Disney halfway through, right? That's kind of what always happens when you have people like Phil Lord and Chris Miller uh, who are about to do, you know, the Han Solo movie. They got kicked out because they're, they, I guess, wouldn't compromise. That's kind of what happens. Either that or you, you settle in. There's only two ways this can go, but The only way it would be surprising if it does feel like a Barry Jenkins movie under the Disney Temple, which is possible because Lulu Wang, who was another like celebrated, you know, filmmaker, uh, like a tourish indie filmmaker. She's also doing a Marvel movie. Right. And she seems happy with it so far. There hasn't been any like rumors about skirmishes in the set. So maybe Disney is moving in that direction of like, let's just make these movies, you know, they're Disney movies. So everybody's just going to watch it. let's make it let's take some risks that will be really interesting if that's the case but i mean it's funny that barry jenkins somebody who is obviously known for critical darlings like moonlight right and if beale if beale street could talk now a lot of people that are fans of his are kind of like damn i'm gonna i'm gonna have to watch fucking corporate disney i'm gonna have to watch corporate disney movies fuck disney they're corporate and they don't give a fuck about the art like that's how a lot of his fans feel they're probably going to end up watching the movie. So, I mean, what the fuck do you do? It's definitely going to be interesting how they um, tackle this situation. How if Barry Jenkins even stays to make it, you know, let alone what it would look like if he does make it. it. I mean, listen, you can't say Disney isn't doing interesting things. Barry Jenkins will be the last person you would think Disney would try to hire to do one of their movies, but they did. I'm sure they offered a lot of money and... I'm sure Barry Jenkins must have heard something in there that he liked. Probably, like I said, the black story. Like the focus on the, the black aspect of this movie is probably what got him to do it. And I bet you he doesn't hate money. So he definitely is going to take a big fucking paycheck if not just to fund his other shit. But uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk about that. I literally just learned about it. Just a quick story that I wanted to throw in there. But I mean, really, I mean, I just kind of want to talk about what I've been going through recently because this is the EP show. So I'm going to talk about shit that's happening to me personally. And one of the things that's happening to me personally is just, um, you know, being and I talked about this. This is going to be mentioned in episode 90 of the Empty Opinions podcast that comes out next Monday, right? That's going to be mentioned there, but I guess I'll give you a sneak peek into what we kind of talked about. And we were just kind of talking about this new thing that I'm in and me not trying to fuck it up because everything seems great. And But when I start overthinking or maybe certain things come to light, I don't really trust myself enough to be like, is this a legitimate red flag or is this just me? This is my mind playing tricks on me. So the latest thing that I'm kind of worrying about, I didn't actually mention this because this literally is just happening. So this girl looks like she's very, very busy, right? She's busy with school. Not a big deal. But I think the way, the time, it does become a big deal is if you go to, if you go, fuck it, let's say three, four, five weeks without seeing somebody because they're busy, right? Because I think that's an issue that I've had in the past. That I kind of don't want it to get there again. I'm actually kind of scared to even bring that up or it, for that to even occur. Um, but in the past, right, like this happened to me. Where like I always bring up, yo, know, let let's let's hang out, let's do this, let's do that, and they always bring up, oh, I'm just too busy, too busy, too busy, right? Now, you know, if I want to step back a little bit, right, because I feel like conventional wisdom is that like yeah, somebody loves you or somebody really likes you, they'll they they'd be willing to make time for you. I think that's only true to a certain extent, right? Like I feel like sometimes you are just busy, and as long as you kind of communicate. Exactly what's happening, you know, you can believe it. I think with her, I have no reason to believe really that this is just a lie and that she just doesn't want to hang out with me, right? Like her saying, uh, you know, schoolwork is fucking kicking her ass and she doesn't know if she's going to be really busy or not, or she doesn't know when she'll be free, right? Um, I have no reason to doubt that, right? So that's not kind of getting me. The only time it can get bad if it's like a month passes by. And now I'm really like, all right, well, I mean, come on, it's like a day, let's go. And she's still like, nah, I'm too busy, I still can't, right? Oh, and I just thought of this right now. Uh, I guess the thing that is interesting is that, um, you know, she says, I don't know when I'll be free, as opposed to just keep, you know, because I feel like if somebody actually just doesn't want to see you, they'll just be like, yeah, I'm not busy this time. And you can bring up like 50 different times and they'll be like, yeah, I'm not, I I can't, I can't, I'm not free excuse me yeah I'm not free I'm very busy as opposed to saying I don't know if I'll be busy in the future you know I don't know I don't know if I'll be free in in the future because of all this stuff I think that's a little bit more I guess on the optimistic side as opposed to when they're in the pessimistic side it, it becomes you know a little more suspicious regardless you know it's already been it's probably going to be two weeks you know by 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 but by, by the time I don't see her right right like two weeks that I haven't seen her you know it's one of those things too that I talked to her about this it was like at the beginning when we were talking about our intentions I said i just kind of just want to see you at least once a week and she kind of agreed right so i mean it's not like this wasn't broached before so i think if anything you know it can be one of those things where like it's like oh you didn't bring this up or like you weren't up front. i was like yeah I, I was i literally just told you right away I, I i want this um I want to see you at least once a week i don't i hope for, you know that's what I told her and she said yes So she might be on the same page and she's literally, literally she's busy, but it's just one of those things that I can't help but feel kind of worry a little bit, right? Like when you start hearing, listen, I don't, I might be busy for a while because, you know, school, it's like, okay. What comes to my mind is like, yeah, maybe not hanging out like a full day of hanging out or going somewhere. Right. But even just seeing somebody for like a couple of minutes, I don't know, to me, it's like, at least that like you can't even do that you know it, it, i find that kind of hmm interesting but maybe it's just my overthinking but yeah i'm gonna try to you know a couple of times you know even today my text are later just like well can i see for like 20 minutes today like just just see you just talk you know what i'm saying just in the, just outside um and if she says no then you know what the fuck can i do but you know, it's funny because it's, uh, now I'm being confronted with this kind of issue. It's a little bit of an issue, right? Even if it's not an issue, it is a little bit of an issue because I'm talking about it on the podcast. So it is a little bit of an issue. But, you know, it, it's funny because th- that happens. But then I turn around and then I see signs that are like, wow, this girl is almost like perfect for me, right? Like, for example, y'all remember season three, Stranger Things, in the last two episodes? There's an episode where Dustin and his girl that in, in this girl, that's all I'll say, you know, for spoilers sake. That's it in this girl. Start singing along. Turn around. Look at what you see. In her face. I'm actually going to pull it up because, I mean, I might actually start crying, but um, whatever. I, I'm just going to make this clear. I just want you guys to see um, <laughs> the emotion that's coming through my voice so you understand what the fuck I'm talking about. The fool Dustin and Susie never ending story scene. Yes, that's exactly what I want. This is so Susie. I, I copy. Susie! Kind of a spoiler, but fuck it. You know, this bin came end? out, so, I'm so, so More than a year I've that been I came really out. busy. Yeah. I'm trying to save the world from Alright, let me skip to the fucking song part. It sounds much better now. Thanks. Well what is Pooh, I promise I will make it up to you as urgent. Yes. There we I go. heard you the first time, but Ged is also saving Earthsea, and he's about to confront All the right. shadows, so this is Susie signing off oh, wait. wait, 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 okay, okay Let's okay. go, let's go, Dustin Give me the Shh. fucking goosebumps This is, come on I'm singing along, guys Turn around Look at what, what you, you see In her face A mirror face. of your dreams I'm everywhere Even in the light Written on the pages Guys, you can't see it But I'm literally tearing up A never-ending story I Read the stars Yeah, baby. I mean, okay. You might be thinking, why the fuck did you just play this scene? This is a key to the story or key to the signs, right? So every, you can even, I'm literally like, you guys think I'm joking. I was literally tearing up. But like every time I hear this song, I tear up like goosebumps everywhere. So I had, you know, this, this part of season three, you know, I lost it. Like, like fully broke down crying and get teared up every time. And I think it's because it kind of like points to this. You know, pure love that I kind of want, or that I've never really felt. You know what I mean? Or at least it's how I feel, and it's kind of like something I've always wanted. You know, this might be my fucking you know, like lack of self esteem. It's definitely my lack of self esteem. Whatever. It's a deeper psychological issue that you know I might talk to a therapist about one day. Just play her that track, and she's gonna see me break down and ask why is that happening. But regardless. That every, like like you guys just saw, I love this song. I know it word for word. Um And I tear up and get goosebumps every time I hear it. So I'm in a bathroom, right? And I'm just, you know, I'm kind of missing this girl. So I'm going through her Instagram pictures. And one of the captions says, guess what? Read the stars. No, that's not what it was. It was like, turn around. Look at what you see. That's do that in her face, the mirror of your dreams. That was the caption of one of her pictures. Now, tell me that's not a fucking sign. That's a sign. That's one of those signs that I saw and I honestly couldn't believe it. And it's one of those things that's kind of pushing me to just kind of, you know, fuck, you know, check my, my anxiety and kind of keep it in check because it's like, Are you fucking kidding me? Also, the fact that she loves La La Land, right? One of the few people that I even know that loves that movie, right? Also, one of those people that I feel like we're just kind of in the same page. Like, even when it comes to debating, we kind of love debating and shit. You know what I mean? We find I can make her laugh easily. It's one of those things that there's a lot of similarities. There are more similarities than I've ever had with any other girl. and, And it's just, you know, so I see all those signs. But then I get confronted with this where she's like very busy. But, you know, and it was one of those things that, like I said, I don't have any reason to doubt that she is actually busy and that she's not using this as an excuse to not see me, right? Like, I literally have no reason to believe that. But, you know, it, it crosses my mind. So that's one thing that I'm kind of struggling with. I'm going to, you know, I'm kind of going to broach the subject if, like, if it's possible that by this week I could even see her for like 30 minutes at least. If we're not going to, if she's going to be too busy to actually hang out and we do something, then just for 30 minutes, sometime this week, I would. Truly appreciate it. Haven't seen you in two weeks. I would like to see your face. So I'm going to bring that up. But, uh, yeah, that's just some personal shit. For how long did I talk about that? For like 10 minutes, probably 15. But, yeah, that's just one of the things that I'm going through right now personally is my show. So I'm forcing you to hear this shit. I mean, what can I, What else can I talk about? Oh, yeah, let's talk about this Tory lanes and the Megan Thee Stallion thing. I mean, this thing is kind of insane. This is a fucking wild... Thing that's happening with Totally Interrupting a whole fucking album, you know, and piece by piece, him kind of detailing, not really detailing, not really saying what what happened, but everything around it, as much as he can say outside of what actually happened, he said. And, you know, fueling conspiracy theories, like, oh, her people are trying to frame me. I still love you. Let me serenade you with a couple of songs. The most surprising thing out of this album was how many love songs there were towards Megan. Because I was like, wait, what? They were-? He was actually, like, in love. And he's kind of hurt by this. But he's, like, trying to get her back. And it's actually a very interesting technique. Because I think he's trying to serenade Megan Thee Stallion. Um, because like he said, he feels like he's being framed by her people. It's not necessarily her. So, um, you know, he wants to try to get her to see, get her to stop believing their stories. Right. Because one of the things he brings up is that she was shot on her foot, you know, from the back. So she doesn't really know who shot her. Right. Um, which is true. Um, and one of the things I always found weird is that whenever people are saying that Tori did it, they just said, listen, uh, the bullet came from Tori's gun, so it was him. You know, it, it, that's a weird. Like that, they're trying to make this a one plus one equals two, but that's not necessarily true. You know, if a, the bullet can be Tori's gun, so it can be Tori's gun, but it doesn't mean that Tori shot it. Somebody else could have shot that gun, so that was kind of telling. So what I think happened it was there was a little bit of a struggle between Tori Lane and somebody else. So the the crazier conspiracy is that some one of her people in her in her circle shot her. That's a bigger conspiracy. That that would be like crazy, like a crazy turn of events. But I think the most realistic thing is that there was a struggle between Tori and somebody else in the car. And the gun kind of went off as they were fucking wrestling with it. And it hit her foot or like fragments of the bullet hit her foot. Um, that's the most believable part to me because that would kind of confirm both stories, right? Because they always say the truth is lies in the middle. You know, there's one side, there's three sides to every story, her side, his side and the truth. I think, and then they say the truth like in the middle from both of those. So it could be true that she was shot from behind at her foot and it was Tori's gun and it was a bullet matching Tori's gun. But Tori's saying, you know, they're trying to frame me because they actually did it or it wasn't really me and it wasn't really on purpose and I wasn't even, even aiming at your foot on purpose that's that's the most believable story but i mean in terms of the music i mean i listened to the album and it's one of those albums that i'll never listen to again not because it's not a good album there's a lot of good songs on there but it feels like a novelty project it's novelty you know what i mean because it's like you know, it's it's an ob- it's a whole album talking about this one situation. That's not relatable music. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to listen to this um, <laughs> just, just randomly just put out money over, fee- money over fallouts and him saying that he's got framed. Literally the whole situation is him being mad that everybody's turning on him and that he can't really express himself. That's not like, what is that? That's not a music that I want to hear in general. Like, I'll listen to it once to so you know what the fuck you're talking about. It was one of those projects that you... Obviously, listen to to hear what the fuck he's saying, but yeah, and I mean, you know, people are saying, you know, don't listen to Toy Lane's that's fucked up. You're you always say protect black women, but don't really protect black women. This is the thing, I feel like they're comparing this to the 6 9 situation, or at least I was in my head, right? How everybody was like, don't listen to his shit, he's a fucking snitch, you know, 6 9 he's a fucking snitch, don't listen to him, don't support him. And I didn't, I haven't listened to really any song besides that Gooba song uh, that he's put out ever since. Um, and that's where I fall in that in in, the, in my morality with that. But with Tory Lanez's situation is kind of different because we don't know for a fact what happened. With Six Nine, we know for a fact he snitched, right? He was telling on everybody, and Six Nine said as much. So there's no like amb- amb- ambiguity there. With with the Tory Lane situation, we don't know what happened really. We know these two sides of the story, right? We know there's a video that has not been released. We know Tory Lanez hasn't been charged with anything. Right now, it's just hearsay from both sides. So when that's the case, I feel like it's different than a six nine situation because you don't know, we don't know exactly what the fuck is happening. Uh, so that wiggle room allowed me to listen to it without feeling guilty. Now, if we find out, you know, there's like, if we, there's a clear video that Lin's got out of the fucking car and pointed at her foot and shot her, obviously, you know, I'm not going to listen to his shit anymore because there's clear proof. But even that, I just don't believe because Toylens, the way he's sounding on this project, he's saying a lot of shit that I feel like is easily, you know, can easily be verified once that video comes out, right? Like, you can't lie in a situation like this because there's a the truth and there's a video that confirms the truth, right? <laughs> so it's like, how are you going to lie unless he's counting on the fact that Megan and and her crew are not going to... Press charges and are not gonna try to reveal the video to the public. Then maybe I could see the 4D chess in that move, but I still don't understand why he would go so hard. Like Torrance is fully going hard on defending himself, right? And um, something else that I found interesting about this whole situation: this situation couldn't have happened at a better time in the U.S. Because, or it couldn't have happened at better or worse, depending on who you, who you, whose side you're on. Because I was, you know, I watched The Social Dilemma, and I'll kind of talk about that uh, documentary in a second. I watched that with my family. That was a really interesting and kind of scary watch. But in there, they kind of talk about how the fact, like, these social media companies are kind of polarizing us, right? And it's making us believe our own truths, and that's why there's such a rise in conspiracy theories, right? So um, that, that... that portion of the documentary can easily be applied to this situation because right now people love conspiracies. So now Tory Lanez is offering one. He's saying they're trying to frame me. That's one of the most classic conspiracy, you know, no scenarios ever. So now he's obviously, you know, if I feel like people are surprised, but he's for sure just gonna get a lot of people on his side just because they love conspiracies. You know what I mean? They don't want to accept the truth of certain situations. Not saying that what Megan Thee saying is the truth, but, you know, people love conspiracies right now. People are out of their fucking minds. People are bored. They don't know what the fuck to do. You know what I mean? Like, they're losing their minds quickly over this pandemic. They'll believe anything. You know, 5G towers, fucking killer hornets were made in the fucking lab, and then the lab made the virus, and then the virus is actually controlled by fucking Nancy Pelosi. Whatever the fuck the conspiracy theory is, people are going to believe it. So Tory kind of playing this conspiratorial side is very, very smart. Um... Regardless if, he, if he's right or wrong in this situation, it's a very smart tactic that for sure has gotten people to listen to his music and kind of support him a little bit. You're seeing a lot more support for Tory than you did before he dropped this project. Also, can we talk about the fact that this motherfucker dropped the whole project? He hasn't said anything on any social media, really, besides to announce that he has this project coming out. Um, but once the album's come out, he hasn't really tweeted. Has, he, still, he went back to radio silence. I think that's very smart. Here's the thing. A whole album, a little too much. A little overkill. Although, listening to the first 11 songs of uh, his album, you know, there was a lot there. And it wasn't like it was all the same thing. There was a couple of songs that got repetitive. Like, the first 11 songs were great. I feel like he should have kept it at 11. Because the the next six, not only sounded horrible in terms of quality, I feel like he... I think those were just leftover. so I didn't I didn't I didn't hear anything that was related to the situation in those seven so- in those six songs. So I think he just kind of tacked on those six songs to <laughs> put his music out there to get more streams. Um, but those first eleven songs, he does talk about a, a variety of different things. It doesn't feel too repetitive, so I can understand that he had enough to say in eleven in an album, right, and not just a song. But I feel like that's kind of fucked him over a little bit because a lot of people said, whole album, man, fuck out of here. I'm not listening to a whole album to hear this motherfucker talk about the situation. But if it was a song, everybody would listen to that one song and hear what he had to say. And I feel like over just a simple beat and just him rapping for fucking five minutes, six minutes, you know what I mean? Just explaining aside, side, that would have worked way better. But like I said, part of his strategy was to fu- fucking romance making the stallion so wild. So wild, these R&B songs of him talking directly to Megan. I honestly couldn't believe it. And I feel like more people should be talking about that. Um, but I guess it's also part of my review of Daystar. It was fine. I'm never listening to that shit again. There's no need to. Musically, it was very well done. Some of his best beats, probably. Some of his best rapping and, and not singing. He said better singing. But it was a solid project. Just would never listen to it again because it's a fucking novelty album. It's a novelty album. I'm not listening to that shit again. Makes no sense why I would. Um, but yeah, I hinted that I was going to talk about The Social Dilemma for the last, like, what, five minutes? I want to talk about The Social Dilemma. Uh, I saw it. You know, it's a documentary on Netflix everybody's fucking freaking out about. It's like the What the what the Health or, like, the... the There was another one. It was, like, Food, Inc. Or, or, you know, the McDonald's. It was one of those documentaries... Or, like, The black, black Fish. Just one of those documentaries that sheds a light on something that is very bad and could possibly create change. Because it it seems very legitimate. You know, this. uh, the Social Dilemma documentary features like former engineers and and coders, you know, talking about they used to work at these places and they know exactly how they work and what the fuck the problem is. And, you know, it's something that I kind of the biggest point of it for me. Well, uh, well, fuck it. Be, 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 before I start talking about the points that were made in the documentary, I guess in terms of quality itself, just seeing the documentary as as, as, as its own thing, it was fine. It was it, it was pretty good. I like the way that they, they, they tried to, you know, dramatize the situations that were happening, like the combined, like, uh, fiction footage with the documentary footage. You know, there was some animation in there that I didn't mind. But the thing that bothered me the most was some of the special effects like the visualization of how the algorithm works, although makes things simple for people to digest, I guess just in a visual level, it looked really fucking tacky. So I, I didn't really like that. But everything, if you took that out or made it look better, like, oh, you know, it was fine. It, it felt tacky in some places. Like, you know, the budget was kind of low. You know what I'm saying? One of those like almost student-made documentaries at, at certain times, they didn't feel as cinematic as I would have hoped. But it, it 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 did its job. It was entertaining while also, you know, incendiary. It's a word that I just used that proves I'm smarter than you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, it it was a good. It was a good. It, it was a good documentary. It was well made. You know, well made enough. It was it wasn't incredible. It's was not one of my favorites of all time. But it definitely was very well made. And I think the biggest point that I that I got from it, it's just the capitalistic nature of these companies and them not giving a fuck about, you know, maybe even damaging society as long as they get a quick buck because, you know, to, you know, get a quick buck and, you know, get people to stay on their platforms as long as possible. That's literally what it's all about. Um, and that's what they're doing, even though, it's obviously doing bad to this country. They're still like fuck it, and you know it's one of those things that that's a problem with capitalism if it goes unchecked. I mean, it can destroy societies, just you know inherently. If 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 we put more emphasis on money than morals or or you know a stable civilization, then the celebration is gonna the, the civilization is gonna go unstable. Jesus, this Dustin and Susie clip has thirty three million views. Whoa. So I'm not the only one that loved that scene. Then that's a lot of fucking views. But I don't know. if I, I feel like people love the scene, but I don't think people really broke down crying as I did when I first saw it. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's my thoughts on the social dilemma. It was just interesting how capitalism corrupts absolutely. And I just made that quote up right now. I don't know if it was a popular quote, but I'm gonna frame. I'm gonna fucking coin it. Capitalism. What is it? Capitalism corrupts absolutely. I think the actual phrase is democracy corrupts absolutely, or money, or whatever the fuck. There's something. There's another some phrase is like blank corrupts absolutely. I'm gonna change it to capitalism. Now I mean because I, I you know I'm anti-capitalist. I'm a fucking Marxist. No, I'm not. I, you know I'm just saying when well, money comes before anything else, you know money comes before anything else. So you know as long as the money's flowing, nothing's really gonna change uh but all right that's uh that's an episode of um the eb show keep it at 30 minutes keep it light and simple talked about enough things i think in there to try to get views to it you know to get people to listen to it but also talked about some of my own personal shit because um it's my show so if i want to talk about personal shit i'm gonna talk about personal shit bitch fuck you bitch um yeah, that's it. Um, this is only an audio. I forgot to mention that at the beginning, every Wednesday, I'll try to keep the schedule. If not, if you don't see another one for like a month, just know my fucking mental health is struggling. So please forgive me for that. But I'll try to have new, the EP show episodes, 30 minutes of just me talking every Wednesday, purely for the people listening on podcast. You know, that's, you know, I'm going to do that on the YouTube channel. I'm going to do reactions. To get people to attracted to the YouTube, and then for the podcast, I'm just gonna, you know, do current events and shit to get people attracted to that. Uh, that's gonna be my strategy for now. But yeah, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for watching, and oh, not watching. Thank you so much for listening to me talking about random shit. I truly appreciate you. If you if you're one of the people listening to this, you, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. You are the reason why you know the, re, the what's gonna save me ultimately. You know, I feel like just doing this broadcasting, just talking to the people and people finding me interesting is really what I want in life. So if I'm able to if enough people listen to us and I'm able to make a living, I mean, I couldn't be any happier. That that would be all I would like from life. So I, I appreciate you very much if you're listening. Uh, but, yeah, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to this. And I'll catch you guys for the next episode of the EP show probably next Wednesday, hopefully.